Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it and also with food and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman, and this week I'm talking with Rachel Murray, who is a registered holistic nutritionist and registered nurse in Ontario, Canada, and she talks openly and candidly about her struggles with sugar and food addiction in this episode. We'll get to that in just a minute. But just before, I wanted to thank you for listening to this podcast And if you still haven't rated and reviewed this podcast, it's not too late to do so. In your podcast player, just scroll down and click on Write a Review and tell me what you think of this podcast. Has it helped you in your life after sugar? Has it made you see sugar a little bit differently? And don't forget to give this podcast a lovely five-star rating. You can do that by just scrolling down and tapping on the stars. Thank you. All right, so let's get to my chat with Rachel. So today I'm talking with Rachel. Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about what your life was like before when you were still eating all the sugary things? Sure, yeah. I think that, you know, looking back, sugar has been a problem since childhood. Um, But it was really, I think, in my early teens where it started to become a problem. And even then, I didn't recognize it as the sugar. Um, It was probably, it's just coming up on two years now that I really have understood that that all of my uh, disordered eating was related to being addicted to sugar. So um, I actually came upon this. Uh, serendipitously because I I am a nutritionist. I was a registered nurse before that. So I've been in the health space for a long time and I was searching for tools to help my clients and um, came across Fit and Johnson and uh, had a sugar assessment done. And through that realized that I actually had a problem too. So um, I was attracting clients that were somewhat similar to me. Um, and it, it was really that journey that led me to realize that, um, that sugar was a problem for me and that, um, that I needed to work on some things too. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that quite often, you know, where health coaches or nutritionists or, or in that field where it's like, Oh, you know, I think I have, a slight problem <laughs> with sugar and it's like it's not just because you're a nutritionist doesn't make you above all the problems that that you know re- regular people have not that you're not regular but you know what I mean yeah and and also for myself you know I spent years thinking oh maybe sugar-free but who's going to listen to me because I'm not a nutrition expert 
And then people were like, we don't care because you're doing it. You're living the sugar-free life, you know, you're actually, you know, so there's like the theory and then there's the practice. So was it just sugar that was your problem or was it, did that sort of encompass a whole load of other types of foods? Yeah, I think it, the main thing was sugar. Like I would say that, you know, I, I described myself as, as having a sweet tooth. And I think everyone around me would have, would have agreed with that, but um, yeah, it was definitely encompassed all kinds of foods because I, um, well, starting as a teenager, I, I restricted and that was the way that I, that I dealt with it. Uh, so it wasn't just sugar. It was all types of foods, um, healthier, you know, quote unquote, healthy or otherwise. Um, so, so yeah, it really, it really reached into every area of my life. And a one, one main way that that showed up was, was that I would restrict throughout the day. And, um, you know, even if I was eating so-called healthy foods come evening, because I had restricted all day, um, it, it just got to the point where, you know, I needed to eat something and, and I re was reaching for, you know, chocolate and sweets and things like that. So, so yes, sugar was definitely the main problem, but um, the disordered eating or whatever you would like to call it uh, stretched into to all foods. Yes, yes. And what did restriction look like and especially feel like to you? Yeah, um, I think it, it kind of took on a number of, of characteristics. Um, you know, restriction even in the sense I probably was eating healthy meals a lot of the times, but um, having smaller portions because I wanted to save room for that dessert or um, I wanted to be able to earn it in a sense. So, so that was one way that it showed up. Um, and, you know, either skipping meals sometimes or just following diet after diet whether or not I needed to lose weight, because uh, a lot of the times, you know, my weight, my weight has definitely cycled through the years. Um, and in university, I, I would definitely describe myself as being slightly overweight. But for the most part, um, I was normal weight, people would look at me and think that I was healthy. Um, but it, it was just a matter of, um, you know, that that body image piece and, and the food was was just tied with that. Like it was all about how I looked um, until I really dug in and realized that that the the addiction is so much bigger than that. It's not, it's really once you you know get through those initial stages, it's not really about the food at all. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. And we tend to, I don't know about you, but it was like I, I sort of knew there was something going on deeper than the sugar or the food, but it's like, I didn't want to go there. And it's kind of understandable to, to numb that knowing with more of the food <laughs> of the sugar. Yeah. So this brings us to this whole idea of body image. Like you just mentioned that, you know, you didn't look particularly overweight, um, but your perception of yourself was tied to what you were eating and how you were eating does that sound like an accurate description yeah absolutely it was always you know if 
you know, it, I would choose one particular part of my body and just focus on that. And if, if that part could get smaller, then life would be perfect. And, you know, sometimes I would achieve that and then it would just be moving on to something else to criticize. And it, it wasn't about my body. It was about my mind and my perception of myself. It, it you know, it, it, it's just, it's fascinating to me how much we can um, get tied up in how we look and, and make that our worth because it's, it's so not true. Like we aren't our bodies. And I know that there's, um, there's plenty of people out there that say, say my, my body isn't my business and it, and it, and it's true. And it's not to, to disregard the fact that we, we need to be taking care of our bodies through, you know, eating um, nourishing foods and moving our bodies and exercising and getting outside. But um, we really, it's really important to, to kind of step back and, and take a look at that, um, you know, that perception that we have of our bodies and, and how it is tied to our worth, because um, it's, it's just, it's, it's like intertwined, but we need to kind of peel back the layers and realize that, um, that, that what, what we look like is not who we are. Yeah, yes, what we look like is not who we are. That's very powerful. And I mean, it takes quite a high level of metacognition or awareness or call it what you may you know that separation of what we believe to be absolutely true and the ability to step back and analyze it and think wait a minute this is a belief and not necessarily the truth is is that the sort of thing that you had to do when you went and, and really looked under the hood of your sugar addiction yeah absolutely and I and it's still something that I have to work on every day it's not like you you get to a point where where that's completely fixed. I think those those negative thoughts still come into play. They're they're not as you know powerful or in the forefront anymore, but um, they still show up, and and it's it's a work in progress. So I think that that's something important that that um, that people who are starting out really need to realize that this is an ongoing journey and you know, in many ways it gets easier, but it doesn't, we don't get to a point where we're fixed and we can just kind of brush our hands and say we're done. Uh, it's, a, it's a journey and, you know, it, it can be a challenge in the beginning, but um, when you stick with it and, you know, you get the help that you need, uh, you find a supportive community, the, the recovery process starts to become fun and you get to learn how to enjoy your life and love love the way you eat, love the way you live, really. Yes, yes, absolutely. That, I mean, that's what life after sugar is all about, definitely. And so how do you help people in their body image, their perception of their own bodies? How do you do that in a concrete way? Can you give us an example? Sure, yeah. Um, I do, I do a, a couple of different things. Um, I run a 30-day challenge, which... Um, you know, challenges it can be a little bit controversial, but the way that I run it, it's not about um, just being sugar free for 30 days. It's that 30 days is more of an introduction to, you know, the next steps. Um, but through that, one of the main things that I do is it's educate the participants about what recovery looks like. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, what we just talked about. Uh, in terms of body image and 
learning how to love yourself again, because th that's, that's a journey in and of its own. And it, it, you know, it, like I said earlier, it, it goes beyond the food. So of course, food is a big question that people have, you know, everyone wants to have a perfect food plan and know what's going to work for them. And um, speaking for myself, that it's still a work in progress. Like things change, our bodies change. We go through different stressors or, you know, having children or different life events. So, so that part is changing. Um, but what kind of has to stay the same is that we're just continually working on learning to love ourselves. And I think that a big part of that is, um, is finding a community to support you. And that can be, that can be all kinds of different things. It can be, you know, a small collection of people who are working towards the same thing. It can be a large group, like some of the 12 step groups are amazing. Um, but, but finding a, a group of people who understand what you're going through and are there to support you because those, those negative thoughts are going to come around. And, and oftentimes it's not enough to just, you know, talk to our, talk ourselves out of it. We really need to, to lean on that community to, um, to help us through those, those hard times. And, um, you know, sometimes that's a daily thing. Sometimes um, it's a little less often that than that. Sometimes, you know, when we're going through a rough time, we need to be reaching out, you know, moment to moment almost. Yeah. Um, so, so that's a big part of it, I think, is, is really um, encouraging the community piece. And I know for a lot of addicts, and um, I'll just speak for myself, um, but that, that reaching out was really, really hard in the beginning. Um, I was just fiercely independent, wanted to do everything on my own. And letting down my guard and asking for help was one of the hardest things that I had to do. But it just made the process so much easier when you finally, when I was finally able to ask for help. So, so that I think is one of the pillars is just, you know, finding that group. And that, that can take some time. Sometimes you have to, you know, try a few different things out until you find what's going to really work. Um, yeah, there's all different shades of groups and approaches. And mm -hmm. you know, some fit us better than others. I know I wouldn't fit into the 12 step thing, but you know, for some people it's a godsend. And then some people come into the after sugar club and realize, oh, it's not quite a fit for me. And others are like there for, you know, the duration because it just fits or it doesn't. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, like you have to try a few of them on for size. Definitely. Do you find that when you finally sort of found your people as it were, that helped you in your recovery, like more than even changing what you ate. More than changing what I ate? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, like I said, in the beginning, it was really, um, I was soaking up all kinds of knowledge. Like I, I'm, I'm definitely an information seeker. I was watching all the, listening to all the podcasts, watching all the summits and trying to gather that information and, you know, taking some, a little bit from everyone, which, which was fine. It was really helpful, but you know, get, once, once you find a group that works for you and I, and I, I'm in a couple, like I, I don't um, rely on just one group, but it was really, once I could actually connect with people and speak, you know, speak in a group or speak one-on-one -on -one and make those connections and, you know, just talk in person, 
that really did make a difference. And it did become bigger than the food because it wasn't about, like I said, it really isn't about the food. It's about finding a life of purpose and living with passion and being happy again, because food addiction just steals away that happiness and can create an obsession where, you know, all you're thinking about is the food and you're missing out on life. I just want to take a quick break to answer a few questions that I've received recently about the difference between the After Sugar Club private membership and the 12-week Life After Sugar program. So these are two different types of formats that I offer depending on your needs and your situation to help you really get to the heart of your emotional relationship or connection to sugar so that you can get to a place where you don't need it, miss it, or even want it anymore. And that's what I call true freedom from sugar. So the After Sugar Club is a private membership, a little bit like the Netflix of sugar, and it gives you 24-7 access to all the information, the videos, the exercises, and the recipes in the After Sugar Club. It's more of a self-study format and it also includes two live check-in calls per month for support and accountability, as well as access to our lovely, friendly, encouraging community. And when you sign up, you have access for three months at a time. Now, to compare, the Life After Sugar program is a 12-week experience where you get frequent and personalized guidance with me that's tailored to your specific needs and our accountability calls are scheduled according to your availability and your time zone so you never miss out or fall behind. You'll get my step-by-step guidance through structured exercises that I've developed over the last seven years of being sugar-free and with my 30 years of teaching experience so that you'll get the guidance you need step-by-step every week with a gentle approach to help you look under the hood of your emotional need for sugar so that you can finally let go of it and really feel free. Want to know more? Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on Join the Club to check out the After Sugar Club and click on the program tab in the top menu at aftersugarclub.com to see everything that's included in the Life After Sugar 12-week program and to apply to join. All right, let's get back to my chat with Rachel. Yeah, yes, and I would even say that you're not actually thinking about the food, you're thinking about your next fix, as it were. And it happens to be something edible. But again, you know, I've often said that I don't even grace sugar with the word food. But yeah, it's like you're not even enjoying, you think you're enjoying your food and that you're, it's like this love relationship, but actually it's a love-hate relationship and a code, not even codependent, because you can't be codependent with an inanimate object like sugar, but you get the idea. Is that we think, I love sugar, but actually it's a, a, an unhealthy relationship, not just biologically, but on all levels. And 
my question to you as a former nurse and now as a nutritionist is in your studies, did you ever learn about sugar and sugar addiction? No, absolutely not. I, and it, it just, it, it really boggles my mind now looking back how far removed and how incorrect a lot of the things that I learned regarding nutrition were. And, you know, nursing, when I did my nursing, that was quite a few years ago now. So I guess we're, we're kind of talking about outdated information anyways, but when I went through my nutrition training, there was, there was a lot of conflict in between different people's recommendations in different classes that I took. So that was somewhat confusing. Um, but interestingly, I actually found it um, helpful in the end because I was able to kind of get this more broad picture of different, different styles of uh, like nutrition, I guess. And I actually learned more in the six months, maybe a year following the graduation of my nutrition program because I was able to kind of take that, um, that broad knowledge base and apply it and, you know, look at the, the actual updated research rather than relying on, you know, some outdated perceptions. Um, so, so yeah, it was a very interesting journey, you know, being trained to help make people get better, but not actually having the tools to do so. And and I do feel like I have those tools now, um, but a lot of it has been through my own uh, research and discovery. So, so yeah, it is, it's kind of scary to think, um, think of, you know, the health of our nation being in the hands of people who don't have the accurate information. Um, but there are some, um, obviously there's many amazing nurses and nutritionists and dietitians or Otherwise, people who don't even have a formal education out there um, who, who do have, you know, the, the knowledge that, um, that people need to, to help and move forward from this. Yeah, I'm raising my hand for that one. Yeah, yeah totally. Because people, again, you know, people have said to me, why should I listen to you? You're just not just, but you're an English teacher. And I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> I didn't have to unlearn a whole bunch of things, which is sometimes that the sort of the difficulty for anyone in the health slash nutrition slash scientific field is they they're taught certain things and then realize uh oh it's not actually biologically accurate <laughs> and then uh, they have to unlearn it all and as a teacher I can tell you unlearning is way more difficult than learning it for the first time but Yes, it's it's a little scary. Now we're both in Canada. You're in Ontario. I'm in the province of Quebec. We have a, a free or so-called free health system. And is is the university or are the nutrition schools funded in the same way as they are in the States by sort of processed food companies here in Canada? Well, that's an interesting question. I would I would think that possibly some of the universities are funded like that. The nutrition school that I went to um, was, it's Canada-wide, but um, it's, it is a little on the smaller side. So I, I didn't see that aspect of it being funded by big companies, but um, there, was a, there was definitely a lot of misinformation that, um, that I came across. And 
reflected back on once I had done my own research. Um, so, so yeah, it, it is a challenge, I think, because there is so much information out there. There's so much bad information and there's also lots of things, just everyone is so different. So you really do have to find what works best for you. And that can, that can be a long journey. And, you know, sometimes you do need some um, professional support to, to find that. Yes, yes. And, you know, in my experience, such as it is, there's a whole sliding scale from sugar addiction all the way to sort of harmful user and then like abuser, whatever the terms are. In other words, just because you eat sugar or you have trouble stopping doesn't automatically make you a sugar addict, even if you may identify yourself or call yourself a sugar addict. So now that you do work in the sugar addiction field, how has that changed your perception of your own sugar addiction and then for other people as well? Mm, that's a good question. How has it changed my perception? Um, I, would, I would just say that it, it's so much more ubiquitous than, than we realize. And like you said, there is, um, there is that sliding scale where... Um, you know, there, there, there can be people who aren't addicted, but are still suffering the consequences of, um, of these processed and ultra processed foods. So I think one of the big things that, that I notice on a weekly basis is, um, and it, it just breaks my heart is, is when I go grocery shopping, when I see what people have in their carts and obviously I don't say anything and I'm, I'm not judging it, but it, it just, it pains me to see what, what people are purchasing. And from their perspective, I'm sure they think that it's healthy. You know, there's, there's labels on boxes and um, lots of advertisements that are trying to convey that message. And um, it, it's just heartbreaking to, to know that people are putting all those poisons in their body and, and either they just don't, they don't feel the consequences or they, they don't they don't make that connection to how they feel and what they're they're putting in their bodies so yeah i think that that just the observations uh, around me have probably been the biggest um biggest thing that i've seen i i don't know does that answer your question yes yeah it's all good it's all good yes it's almost like it's socially acceptable in our western society at least to eat all these packaged foods and processed products and it's like it's not socially acceptable to eat real whole foods that necessarily exclude sugar and for, for a lot of it flour. It's almost like we're seen as weird when we eat what I call food <laughs> um, because society and the processed foods companies and the marketing and the advertising is all about not real foods and like pushing us or encouraging us in our addiction or our unhealthy relationship with sugar yeah to, to kind of add on that it you know a lot of people describe eating sugar-free as restrictive or you know we're we're cutting out a food group but like you said it's not a food and I'm happy eating the way that I am now I think that of course there's a challenge in the beginning when you're having to make these changes because it's a change but when I 
fill up my grocery cart and I know, you know, everything in there is either has one ingredient because it's a whole food or, you know, it's, it's just minimally processed like a dairy product or something like that. I'm, I just feel empowered that I know what I'm, what I'm feeding myself and when I'm putting in the body of my, my son, who's almost three, I know that he's getting the fuel that he needs and I don't feel restricted at all. And I don't think he does either. I mean, I know there's going to be times where um, that's going to be different as he grows up and he's going to be exposed to different foods. And, and that's, um, that's just another challenge that I'm going to have to face, but yeah, I, I don't feel, I don't feel restricted at all. And it, it's, it's unfortunate that people see it that way. Um, but I think that, I think that the minds are changing and people are beginning to understand that um, these processed foods are, are marketed in such a way that they, they sound great, but they really don't have our best interests at heart. Yeah, unfortunately, I, <laughs> I have to agree with you. Yes, definitely. And one last question. Um, as a mother, do you feel that you're a good role model for your son because you don't feel restricted, because you feel good in your own body, because you're eating in a way that gives you energy and makes you happy? Is that something that you're proud of as a mother? Absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And, you know, like I said, my son, he doesn't really know otherwise, but I don't think he's been he's not missed out on anything. And, and I did have a family member overseas um, say that because we didn't give him Easter chocolates, like, oh, like the poor little guy, like he's missing out and all this stuff, but he is so happy and he is just vibrant and loves life and is happy to eat the food that is actually food. So no, and I, I think that, um, that, like what an amazing opportunity for him because, and I, I didn't have that. And it wasn't that um, my parents were purposely feeding me unhealthy foods, but the knowledge just wasn't there. And I think that um, when I was growing up, processed foods were, were just really hitting the scene. And uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm so happy that I am able to offer him that opportunity of um, being nourished properly. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. I feel the same way for my daughter. Wonderful, well done. And so if people need your help and want to get in touch with you, can you tell them how to do that and what sort of group you you help? Sure. Yeah, I help, um, I help sugar addicts. Mm -hmm. um, my biggest, you know, the, the clients that I'm um, attracting and attracted to are those who are are just starting out, um, you know, getting getting grips with what sugar addiction is and what to do next. Um, but obviously, I'm happy to help anyone in that space. Um, so, like I mentioned earlier, uh, I do run a 30 day challenge. So the next one will be in November um, of 2022. Uh, but I also have a more one on one program that um, it's a nine week. Uh, program that I run there's uh, there is a group component to it because I really think that community piece is important um, but there's uh, one on set one-on-one -on -one sessions that go along with that along with um, a sugar assessment which I talked about um, which really dives deep into how um, how sugar 
addiction has progressed throughout your life and um, that assessment helps me to create a personalized treatment plan moving forward. Um, so those are my two main ways that I help people. Cool, great. All right. And do you have a website where people can go and check you out? Yeah, so um, it's a bit of a long name, but um, it's rachelmurrayholisticnutrition.ca and I'm Rachel Murray Holistic Nutrition on Facebook and Instagram. So if you search that, you'll find me. Wonderful. Thank you. And I'll put the link along with this episode. And thank you so much for talking with me today. It's very inspiring. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. Oh, what a fantastic chat with Rachel. And in my humble opinion, it's always so much more credible to have the point of view of a nutritionist and in Rachel's case of a registered nurse as well, who actually has first-hand experience in food and sugar addiction. And Rachel is certified and licensed in sugar, which is an assessment tool used to identify pathological use or addiction of sugar and food. And because she's gone through her own health challenges with sugar and food, well, you know that if you go see her about your sugar addiction, she'll get it. And let's face it, that can't be said for all nutritionists. And if you're looking for some free resources specifically about sugar and also about looking after your gut health and especially about living a joyful sugar-free life, then come check out the Life After Sugar Facebook page and you can get more free resources and tips on the Life After Sugar YouTube channel. And come and subscribe to my Instagram account at MyLifeAfterSugar. That's where I post pictures of what I eat, what I do, sometimes some inspiring quotes, or sometimes just pictures of our cat. So that you can see that it's totally possible to live a fun and active life, even if you don't eat sugar. And if you want to download my five tips for getting rid of cravings, especially if you're an intermittent faster and you realize that sugar's getting in the way of making your intermittent fasting lifestyle easy and natural, then go to aftersugarclub.com and download your five tips for getting rid of cravings there. And while you're there on the website at aftersugarclub.com, you can also get your simple guide to getting more energy with less sugar. That's aftersugarclub.com and click on Simple Guide in the top menu. And if you've enjoyed this episode and you're loving this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate it and leave a review and share it because the more people that know about Life After Sugar the more people we can help. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.